Welcome to another episode of Higher Learning. My name is Will Reed. I am the CEO and founder of Canna Planners. We are a Vermont-based creative and web agency focused on improving the way that cannabis companies engage with their customers. Uh, we use these conversations as a, as a means to demystify the, the cannabis industry, to talk about um, how businesses are started, how entrepreneurs work in this industry, um, and also cannabis. So uh, today we're talking to Brendan McKee. He is the co-founder and CFO of Silver Therapeutics. They are a Massachusetts-based uh, uh, retail dispensary uh, uh, firm working with uh, three locations right now um, in and around the Massachusetts area. Brendan, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, Will. It's uh, always a pleasure, uh, you know, getting together and and uh, talking shop and uh, always grateful for your support via Canna Planners and yeah, right. excited to kick it off. I was uh, excited and, and frankly surprised when you agreed to do this, not because you wanted to be not, not because you don't, you know, it seems like your, your, your time, your calendar is completely booked day in, day out. You know, when, when we chat, it's quick, it's to the point. Uh, I respect that about you, but I appreciate your time. I know how busy you are um, running uh, not one, not two, but three um, retail locations in Massachusetts. I kind of wanted to talk, if you could just quick, uh, you know, to the people watching or listening, you know, how'd you get to cannabis? What was your sort of entrepreneurial path? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I've been, you know, I've been self-medicating for a long, long time. So uh, I, I don't even want You're to. You're in good company with 100% of our guests. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, really, you know, cannabis has always been a passion of mine. Um, you know, I grew up playing sports uh, through college and even professionally for a little bit. And, um, you know, cannabis was an alternative therapy for me, really, without even knowing it. And so by way of that, um, I just kind of naturally was like, wow, there's, there's something to this. Um, I, I really want to get in the space. Um, and so I just started to dig into the regulations about four or five years ago in Massachusetts, uh, when it kind of uh, first turned on, you know, medically and, um, you know, uh, through friends and family, uh, uh, you know, found uh, Josh Silver and Josh Ferranto, uh, who are my partners. And each of us, you know, have our kind of respective skill set. Josh Silver is a zoning attorney. Excuse me. Uh, Josh Ferranto is a cultivator and real estate developer. And I'm, I'm a, um, you know, a retail ops guy with, uh, with some, you know, digital experience. Um, sure. So we kind of all came together and and we said, hey, we can, you know, we can get a medical license and with with every intention of eventually, you know, being a uh, medically vertic uh, vertically integrated company. Um, but we also knew that by getting a medical license, we could be uh, fast tracked for adult use. Yeah, I'm I'm I want to I'm interested to hear you talk a little bit more about kind of the co-founder relationship, because that is oftentimes a tricky one. Um, you know, even even in starting Canna Planners, I've talked about this before a little bit, but even in starting Canna Planners, I had to go through um, maybe a, a few people um, before I was able to find the right team in terms of my co-founding partners um, who not only um, had that skill set, you know, that having the skill set is so important, but it, it does, 
skills does not make one an entrepreneur. Like the entrepreneur is more of a, uh, it's a, it's more of a mindset. It's more of an emotion uh, than it is like a job description. Like that passion that someone feels like that burning desire to succeed and to win and to see a thing grow is so important. And, you know, sometimes you have a, an original co-founder who has, you know, a potentially really great idea um, and can only execute uh, realistically on just a couple important parts of growing the business. But then, you know, and this is especially true, I think, for dispensaries, because, you know, retail is a very, I mean, it's a, it's a wild, wild kingdom retail, no matter what you're selling, just like, you know, I, I worked in Apple retail for many, many years. So I've, I'm empathetic to the plight of people trying to run a store like customer service is, is a, is a hugely difficult thing. I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to talk about co-founders, but my point is, is there's, there's so many skill sets that go into operating or even starting a business. And that co-founder relationship is, it was so important. Did you have a similar struggle or was it simpatico from kind of day one? Oh God, that's yeah. I know so, I just jammed so much in there, but oh, I, think no. what, I think what I'm saying is like, there's just so many things one has to do. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible for one person to do it. Um, but then you have the delicate nature of human relationships with, and especially, you know, with the co-founder relationship. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I love my partners. Um, you know, like, like I said, they, their family, um, you know, we met through family and as a result, you know, they are, I consider them family. I love them. Um, and, you know, as a start, we're still very much a startup. We're established, we're post-revenue, we're doing great. We're, you know, we're doing all those things, but at the end of the day, we're still a startup, you know? Um, yeah. And so, you know, over time we've been able to, you know, in a, in a more diligent way, you know, um, allocate uh, efforts and, and, you know, reduce the duplication of work. And, um, but at the, at, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I say this all the time. If you can't have a beer with, you know, or smoke a joint or whatever, whatever your thing is, if you can't do that with, with your partners or people you work with, in my opinion, it's just not going to work out. Um, and fortunately I can have, you know, beers with Josh and Josh, if not more than that. So, you know, it's, 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 but, you know, we all wear a lot of hats. Um, there's challenges, you know, and we, we've gone through a vape crisis. We've gone through a shutdown. Um, we've gone through, you know, people telling us that we're not worth what we think we're worth. You know, it's, it's all these little, you know, mini battles, but um, I say it all the time. I mean, I'm, I would take a bullet for Josh or Josh and I know they would do the same and we're in the trenches together and um, you just can't put a price on that. You know, there's just that, that trust factor. Hold on. I'm getting, I'm getting slacked. Let me, let me turn my slack (laughs) off. I apologize. I muted my slack channels. I apologize. I've done this before. So I've gotten FaceTimes in the middle of it. Uh, It's all, it's all good. Um, That's awesome. It's so reassuring. And I think like, I I hope people listening to this take, you know, if there's anything they can take away is that (laughs) like any significant other, because that's what a co-founder is like. It's not, it's not a coworker. Uh, It's, it's really a, a spouse in a lot of ways. Um, here come the dogs. They might jump up into my face. Uh, <laughs> like that's such a good way to put it. Like if you can't, 
you know, if you can't do, if you don't like the people you're working with, you shouldn't be working with them. Like that, you know, that's the easiest way to say that. And I, I feel equally lucky despite having come through a couple of hurdles along the way to find that, that team. It's, it's so important because it's, I mean, it just, it alleviates stress off, off each individual. Like if they know that I'm taking care of biz dev and, you know, your partners know that you've got this store open like whatever, that these things are, are handled because you trust, you innately trust each other. Um, I think it, it, it just makes things so much easier, especially if you're a company that's trying to scale because that's very difficult to do as a solo entrepreneur. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. And we're scaling. I mean, we're, we're, as you know, we're, we have our Massachusetts assets, but we're also expanding into Maine. Um, so it's, it, it, it's even that much more important now that we really delegate effectively and, you know, stay in our well, lane. Before, before yeah. we get to vacation land, uh, let's talk about Massachusetts. And yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't want to get there just yet. I want to talk a little bit more about sort of, we don't have to get into exact specifics, but some of the hurdles, um, in just dealing with legal cannabis in Massachusetts, um, which compared to Maine and compared to some other states was able to happen a little quicker uh, in terms of uh, laws being passed and stores opening. Mm-hmm. Um, can, you, can you talk about Massachusetts a little bit in that way? Like um, medical to, to rec, like what was that like for you guys as you were first starting the company or even starting the company? For sure. Yeah. Planning. Yeah. 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 So we, like I mentioned, we had a, um, our plan was to get a medical license, which we did. And I believe we received it in, um, I want to say April of 2018, um, was when we got that. Um, we got it. We, we, you know, we, we were, uh, you know, again, we were pretty, pretty, uh, early on and, and, you know, just still learning what, what to expect and, you know, what is a, what is a grow facility going to cost? And, you know, where are we going to secure these retails? And so uh, Josh Silvers from Saratoga Springs, he dug into the regs. He noticed or realized pretty quickly that, you know, he could very, very easily, you know, draft an application, uh, go through the local processes. So I guess I'll back up and just kind of walk you through at a high level what needs to happen in order to open a retail. Great. So basically you need to get, uh, you need to engage with the municipality. So a town in what's called a host community agreement. And that agreement is really, it, it's a, an agreement between your, your, you know, your group and the town um, with, you know, hours of operation, um, you know, uh, trash removal, um, you know, traffic mitigation, whatever things the town um, might be concerned about with you operating there will be addressed in this agreement. And of course they get 3% of our gross revenue, which is a, which is a Massachusetts uh, thing, which at some point will probably go away, but as of right now we're paying it. And um, so you start there and, and, you know, because Josh is from Saratoga, Williamstown was a good fit. We also, you know, considered the fact that it's very much a border play, you know, uh, it's the northwesternmost corner in mass. So it borders Vermont, New York. Uh, which has been awesome uh, in terms of, you know, serving out-of-state customers. And so with an HCA, that's the, basically the ticket you need to apply for a license with the Cannabis Control Commission, which is known as the CCC. 
And so in doing so, uh, you know, you, it's assumed that you've uh, secured a retail location, which we did at 238 Main Street in Williamstown. Come on uh, down. What's up? Come on down. Come on down. Uh, Colonial Plaza. It's, it's, uh, it's a great spot. And sure <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, you know, so then you apply to the CCC and, um, you know, this is really early on. I mean, we were the second standalone adult use retailer to open. I think we were number 10 or 11 in the yep. entire state. Um, we literally discovered the provision in the regs that stated we could take in medical product and sell it as adult use. I mean, we were the first ones to do that. So, you know, we were, um, you know, we were just always kind of on the forefront or, or at least attempting to be so that we could, you know, open this thing and, and be successful. And so from a retail perspective, it's really get your HCA, apply to the state, You'll, you'll eventually receive your what's called provisional license. And then once your facility is actually built out, you essentially request an inspection, uh, excuse me, and the CCC comes out. And uh, then once you're signed off on, uh, you, you are put back on the agenda, uh, in which case you then receive your final license. Then they come out one more time, because uh, at that point you can actually take in product and put it through the metric system the inventory tracking system. And then they come out, they say, you're good to go. And then three days from that date, uh, you receive what's called your commence operations. So it's, uh, I tell people all the time, if you can open a retail in Massachusetts, you could friggin', you know, go to NASA. I mean, it's just <laughs> the attention to detail, the, the, um, you know, it's, 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 it's very, very, you have to have patience, you have to have fortitude, you have to, you know, you, you just have to have pretty thick skin. And, and, um, you know, especially because we were, you know, it was a moving target a lot of the time. I mean, you know, the CCC one day says this, and then they write new regs and, and it's nothing against the CCC. They've been great to us and, and great to the industry. Um, but we're all learning together. So um, it just is what it is. You're building the bridges, you cross it. You, you, you touched on a lot of great things there that I, that I want to kind of pick apart, but I, I think just <clears throat> quickly, if you can touch a, maybe a little bit more on the, on the community aspect of it. So it's clear that there, you know, there's a relationship there of, of, of also an, another intimate relationship with the company and, you know, the, the town council or the, you know, the, the town. Mm -hmm. um, how, how's that been, you know, like, so, so, and, and I guess, Vermont is looking, it's looking like Vermont's going to be a similar sort of thing where it's opt in or opt out. I can't remember which um, for each kind of uh, county in Vermont. Um, and, you know, there seems to be a lot of politicking that needs to, to get done. Um, what was that like? I mean, I'm sure you've had you ever had any experience needing to, to network that way? No, you know, no. And it was, it was, it was tough, you know, it's, it was, again, it was all new. And, you know, one of the, one of the prerequisites to receiving an HCA is hosting what's called a community outreach meeting. So, you know, basically you had to put it in the paper, you know, 10 minimum of 10 days in advance and, you know, make the town aware and get it on the town calendar. And, um, I mean, if you don't mind, there's actually one of my favorite stories is, 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 yeah. So, 
So our first, our first, it wasn't a community outreach meeting, but it was actually our first meeting in front of the Board of Selectmen of Williamstown. And again, I, I give Williamstown so much credit and the board because it was still so fresh and they really, they, they didn't seem at all to, you know, bring in any sort of bias. It was like, they just, you know, yeah, it was just very open and communicative, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. So long story short, Josh, Josh, myself, our, our medical advisor, our security advisor, you know, we're all buttoned up, sitting there in front of the board and uh, meeting starts. I'm like, all right, all right. And then the, I look over in the, you know, one of the board of segments is like, hey, uh, George, I think his name was, or, or so, what do you, how can we help you? And it was an older gentleman, you know, with a cane in the corner. And, oh gosh, what's, what's up? And so George, you know, said, well, I'd like to say something about the cannabis company. And, and we just look at ourselves and, oh no. Brace yourselves. Here we go. It's didn't even, we didn't even, the board of selectmen didn't even officially really start the conversation about cannabis, but here we are. George was there. George was there. So he rolls up and he gets to the podium and he says, uh, this cannabis company should have been here yesterday. <laughs> I, I take my cookie every night before I go to sleep and it's changed my life. And I swear to God, we, you know, I just look over at Josh and Josh and everyone like, Oh my God, you can't pay for this type of advocacy, you know? So, awesome. so that, that was like an immediate icebreaker on both sides, right? Like the, the board, like, Oh wow. Like here's George veteran. He's been a te he was a teacher in the community for over 30 years, like very respected, very reputable and unprovoked. He just came, said his piece. Uh, and then the, you know, just completely, it was too early to, to realize if it shifted the, the energy or not, but it was inevitably, it, it certainly impacted, like it helped. It helped. So, <laughs> so that was, you know, that, and then, and then of course, like I said, the community outreach meetings happen or meeting. And, um, and then again, once you've done those things, you can apply to the, the CCC and, and get your, you know, provisional final and then commence operations. The Georges of the world are important because I think like, and this is, this is me speaking from my experience dealing with lots of different kinds of cannabis companies. But I think we often forget that there's a whole consumer base. There's a whole market of consumers that, that maybe we don't think about, but it's generally the, a larger part of the population, right? It's about kind of opening up, not only um, understanding that, of course, the Georges of the world exist and, you know, you've got your old stoners maybe, or, you know, your older medical patients, whatever, but that, um, maybe he's speaking to a larger demographic of potential customer that um, I know that we try to kind of think about that in terms of how we kind of talk to our clients, right? We want to make sure that they're not pigeon pigeonholing themselves or, or neglecting a, 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 you know, a whole humongous demographic of people, right? How is, so I assume you see George's all the time coming yeah. in and out of all of your stores. Totally. I mean, people, people ask me all the time, you know, who, who comes into your stores? And I, I literally say everybody like, yeah, 
doesn't okay, matter. So why, yeah. why do you think that is? Because cause I have my speculation on specifically with you guys, why that is. Um, but I'm curious what you think, you know, you're, 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 you're in the trenches, you're in the fracas. Yeah. On, what, on the, what, on, what appeals to you? What, you know, what is appealing um, to them about silver therapeutics that, that maybe they'll pick over, I don't know, somebody else. Yeah. I guess I'll speak to it in two ways. Um, more broader, just cannabis in general. I just think, you know, everyone enjoys cannabis, right? Sure. It doesn't matter. Race, age, sexual prep doesn't matter like right it doesn't it, it, matter it's a unifying thing um which right. is what i you know most love about it on on the silver side you know we've i think when i first reached out to you guys i, I think i was like listen i just want to be the sweet green of weed like i like aesthetically the way you know their core value love salads when they come from sweet greens <laughs> yeah like i just the way they run their company you know they're inclusive they're mindful they're they're responsible. And, and so, you know, that was in broad, again, in broad strokes, that's kind of the direction I wanted to take it. But those theories, and those are all great aspirations to have, but the thing, and I, this is, this is my speculation on it is, is that you guys were conscious of that as you were building out the store. And what that means is the waiting room has a certain aesthetic. The lighting is, you know, similar to sweet greens, right? The lighting is bright. You have you know, inclusive earth tones all around you. You have glass cases that are, uh, you know, and employees who are who are happy to educate their customers. I think that there's like, like having this asp- these aspirations on paper. We want to be, you know, socially conscious. We want to be this. We want to be that. Are super important, but it's like, how? Do, what does that? What does that look like in in the real world? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And we've executed on that. I mean, we um, we've far exceeded our diversity plans. We've you know far exceeded our commitments. You know, our monetary commitments and time commitments to you know efforts that address the opportunity gap. Uh, you know, w- with the prohibition of cannabis and um, you know groups that have been disenfranchised. I mean, it's we live it. I mean, we're we're building a multi million dollar facility in Boston to directly address the issues uh that are that are you know kind of at the forefront of the industry particularly in boston i mean um most states i think now are really looking to massachusetts as a um as as a as a as a state that's kind of set the bar uh not only on you know how these entities are are run you know operationally but you know, the social consciousness and the, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so crucial. And, and we, you know, we live by our core values. We, we literally do not deviate from them whatsoever. Um, and, um, and there's buy-in, you know, we've, we've been open, you know, two years about now close to it. Um, and no one's quit anyone who's ever moved on, so to speak, it's because they literally like physically moved and they, you know, we were, we hated to see them go. Um, but, but they, you know, for, for one life reason or another that, you know, they had to. And, mm-hmm. um, but you know, yeah, people, people, we take care of our people and they take care of us. So important. I, I want to get to, uh, so just for people listening who may not know Massachusetts that well, um, Silver's first 
retail locations were in Williamstown, Mass, mm -hmm. and Orange, Mass, both of which are rural in relation to Boston, um, uh, smaller communities, one's a college town, um, you know, small little tight-knit communities. And then, and then you get to Boston. So I kind of want to talk about um, store two and then from store two to store three. It's easy to understand. Well, you know, it, the logic behind getting to store two is, is, is pretty easy. You know, store one was doing great. We needed another location. Um, and, and kind of making, I don't want to say a lateral move, but a, a move that was similar to the strategy behind Williamstown. Um, makes perfect sense that's a good business decision it seems safe right but then you go from from there to you know a humongous city you know that talk me through that i mean yeah. it's just so exciting because i i remember this you know i remember opening orange you know you guys opening orange and um the nerves i don't want to say anxiety but like the nerves there's just so much going on between like construction and hiring and stock, you know, get, getting it ready for people to walk in the doors. What was that decision? Like, was it an easy one where you like, we have to do this or. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I know, I know the exact open moment. Store too. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know the exact moment that it happened. It was uh, Josh, Josh and myself uh, had a uh, board of selectmen meeting with the town of orange for a cultivation facility, which we, which we now have uh, provisionally licensed and, it's also licensed for pro adult use processing and it's, it's our medical licenses associated to it. Um, it's a behemoth of a facility. It's, you know, 110,000 square feet. We we're still kind of in a, in a holding pattern on that um, because our Boston, our third location in Boston is a vertical facility. And, you know, that's really, you know, our priority, but uh, back to the, the second retail. So we, we have an awesome meeting with the town of orange. In fact, I think they actually signed an HCA like on the spot for us for this cultivation site. So we're like, wow, that's now we can get a license with the CCC. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. So we went to a, you know, across the street to a local pizza place, but on the way we're like, huh, uh, that's funny. There's a, there's a building right downtown for sale. And, and we knew that there was no sort of other than, um, you know, buffers like, you know, 250 feet from where children congregate. And, you know, we knew that the downtown was pretty much fair game for a retail. So we look and we said, oh, we should check that out. We should see how much it is and, you know, see if we want to, you know, open a retail here because we just had such, you know, such a positive experience with the board of selectmen for the HCA for the cultivation facility. So I think the next day, myself or Josh Ferranto, uh, you know, called the real estate office. We got the price. We all looked at each other and we're like, well, let's just, let's just buy this thing and, and let's, let's open another retail here. I mean, it's, it'd be great. I mean, our, we had every intention of, of opening a cultivation in Orange. So why not be lean and mean and efficient and have a retail here too? It's, you know, it's a cool little town and, and uh, the people are amazing. I love them. And, you know, I've been going there for the last three years and, you know, doing, you know, community events and third Thursdays and you name it, I'm there. And, um, you know, we wanted to demonstrate to them that, that we are, you know, some goodwill and some real buy-in. Um, so we, you know, we got it and we got an HCA, we bought it, we got an HCA for it. We got it licensed, we built it out and now it's been open since, uh, since July. So, um, so awesome. yeah, that was the second retail. Yeah. 
And then Boston. The decision. Well, Boston, all right. It, it's another little bit of a story. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, backtrack um, about two and a half years ago. It was, I was a medical patient in Massachusetts. We had formed Silver Therapeutics, but we were still going through kind of the, the state licensing for Williamstown. Um, I think we may have started construction in Williamstown. Um, I'm in line, right? It's 420. Okay, this is before adult use. Like this is this this is purely medical. So I'm I'm in line at Garden Remedies in Newton, and um, there's a woman in front of me, a woman behind me in line. It was about an hour wait, and I just started to you know kind of shoot the shit. You know, hey, how are you? And uh, you know, what do you typically buy? And how often do you come here? And and you know, finally one of the you know one of the women you know, turned. So well, well, you know, you know, I have no problem like answering these questions, but why? You know, they seem odd what would oh well uh, you know i'm a partner in a cannabis company and you know we're opening out in western mass and and uh yeah just trying to get some feedback you know i i know what i like to get at dispensaries but i also like to know what other people like to get at dispensaries so she looks at me and she goes oh really well you know my family has a property in boston that we know uh, meets all the setback requirements for the city for for cannabis use and i'm like yeah another george she goes are you interested and I was, I said, absolutely. You know, maybe fast forward four, five, six months, we had a lease negotiated, and now it's the uh, now it's the first and only fully vertically provisionally licensed uh, cannabis entities in Boston. So we have so awesome. essentially have every license class: cultivation, processing, retail for medical and adult use. Yeah, no, no other group has that in, in the city of Boston. So it's pretty cool. Uh, it is definitely a you know an obvious advantage to you guys to be able to control um, as many aspects of the retail experience that you can. Um, I want to talk about a, a couple of them, but and for one we already kind of talked about you know when we were talking about your co-founders and and then some of the the people you hire. Um, but I, I want to talk about that because uh, that's a that's a hard part, right? Like. You know, we, we talked about finding your, your co-founders and, and what that relationship is like. Employees, especially retail, you know, in retail, attrition is generally pretty high. People come, people go. Um, but I feel like the same way maybe Apple did when I was working there, um, you know, in this, the early, early days of when Apple was awesome again, like new iPhones, new, you know, when iPhone was good, when an iPhone release was awesome. Like those days, um, there's such a undeniable aspect of brand loyalty, um, and I kind of want to talk about that a little bit, but also like how that relates to the people that you have work at your dispensaries. You know, they need to be compassionate, they need to be empathetic, they need to be smart, um, but they're also, you know, you have to foster those relationships similarly that you would with, you know, higher level uh managers what's that how's that been like what kind of people are you are you looking for yeah i mean you said it i mean we we want people that um you know well, let me back up the the whenever we bring someone in um you know we make it very clear to them that even though we're you know we're an adult use retailer every person that comes in is is to be considered a patient right so you know they're coming in um 
whether it's someone that's just looking for the highest tack pre-roll or someone who's looking for a, you know, an indica uh, tincture, like they're coming in, they have a need. We want, we want to fill, fulfill that need. Um, it really in the most therapeutic sense possible. Um, so we, that's the approach we take and, um, and we live by that. And, you know, in terms of, um, you know, cultivating a culture, you know, uh, I think my coach in college said it best. He said, you know, shit trickles down. And, um, and so again, we're just so fortunate, you know, Josh, Josh, myself, Corbin, our director of HR and Ezra, our director of ops. I mean, we're just all in it to win it. Very empathetic, very passionate, very compassionate, and it permeates everything else. And, um, and we, you know, we gut check each other, you know, when it's needs necessary and, and, um, and it, it really, it, it starts there. And it, it, like I said, it kind of cascades down and, um, we just have amazing managers, uh, Brian, Kelly, Anthony, Avery, um, Ellie, Amber, Ariana. I mean, it's, we just have the best, you know, and, and, and I love the fact that, uh, we're led by so many women. Uh, they're just, they're better than us. They just, there's, there's, they're just better than us. Yeah. And, and, and I, for sure. And, and, um, in so many ways. So, uh, you know, and we hire from within, I mean, it's every single person that's, that's uh, with the exception of Brian, who we brought in to manage Williamstown, every other person has just grown with us. And, um, and that's the way it should be, you know, there's, totally. Yeah, this is a huge, huge thing here. And I don't want to like gloss over it. But like, that, that's an enormous thing, because you don't see that in a lot of big companies, right? So like being able to um, grow that culture and keep fostering it and feeding back into it by hiring, you know, amongst amongst the existing uh, core group of employees. It's so important. It's, I mean, I'm so conscious of this you know, we're, we're smaller in numbers as a company than, than you guys are, but this is something that, you know, I came into building can of planners thinking like this because I felt like I'd been screwed over so many times in my professional career. Right. Like I totally. can under, and I know what that feels like, um, as a person. So, um, it, it, it helps the companies grow like significantly by putting that trust into people, and, and not so much with your employees, maybe I, I'm not really sure that relationship in, in terms of, um, you know, ownership or whatever. But, you know, for me, it was about really making sure that people felt like they're owning this and that they're, you know, growing something very special and meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, um, you know, there's, it, it goes beyond just, you know, monetary bonuses, you know, it's, which we do. I mean, we, 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 you know, we bonus, we, you know, um, I actually just sent an email out today to all the team members. I said, Hey, you know, shit's stressful, you know, (laughs) like, like it's, it's crazy out there right now. Um, and I basically for the, you know, I basically gave them an open enrollment period for the calm app. So I said, Hey, you know, we'll pay for it. If you find it, it, it can be helpful to you. We will absolutely, you know, subsidize it just, you know, get, respond to this email. If you want to be subscribed to calm, the and, calm app. Okay. I'm yeah. with you now. Like, the, yeah. like a meditation yeah. app. Yeah. Calm. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got yeah. It. I should have. Yeah. I, sometimes I, I, I'm no, that's okay. I'm with you. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that's thick, 
Boston sailors yeah, accent. Yeah. No, so, uh, <laughs> so, you know, things like that. And, and, um, you know, shoes for crews, you know, we we're like, guys, you know, we know you're outside, you know, doing the curbside, like, let's get some good boots on your feet. You know, let's keep you warm and dry. Like, you know, good gear. That's you know, huge. Jackets and, and sweatshirts and, you know, hats and, like, you know, it's just, the, it's all the little things. And, and, you know, yeah. again, you know, we just have such a good team between, you know, Josh, Josh, Ezra, Corbin, and we're all mindful. We're all thoughtful. We've all, you know, we've all had really, really shitty jobs, you know, like, and, and, um, you know, so many times it's, it's as important to know what not to do. Right. And totally. um, yeah. So yeah, we've, we've just been able to, you know, for the most part, do the right thing. And in that way, and, you know, of course we make mistakes, right. Um, we, we kind of anticipate what we think our team members might want or need, but at the end of the day, you just got to ask them. And, and yeah, totally yeah. shoes for crews, man. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really awesome to hear like the level to which you guys are, uh, have kind of given back to your teams. I think like one of the responsibilities that, that we all have is kind of, uh, you know, not to sound, <laughs> I, I don't want to overstate it, but pioneers in the industry, you know, like we are kind of some of the first people to, to do this sort of thing. But one of the responsibilities I think that we have is, is really setting bars of, of responsibility, not to sound redundant, but like we have to set bars, you know, beyond what's expected of us through regulatory committees or, or morals or whatever, like we need to continually set and reset the bars of what's expected of us when it comes to running responsible companies right um and you guys are definitely doing it right for sure i'm curious like it's hard because like i said you know you you were one of the first to um do the thing in mass right but who were and maybe they weren't in cannabis but who were some of the kind of mentors or or peers that you kind of looked up to and and kind of you know really looked for 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 inspiration on on what was the right thing to do on on how you should set that bar yeah you know i'm 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 so fortunate um i uh i have like a mentor mentor network of individuals that you know they're running you know multi-billion dollar companies and um it's all about you know principles and structure and execution and and so um you know kind of taking tidbits from them and then you know of course you know i was obsessed with looking at other cannabis brands and you know how they present themselves and you know what their core values are but like I said, you know, eventually it just kind of boiled down to, you know, companies like Sweetgreen, companies like Patagonia, you know, um, you know, what are they doing? What's separating them as, as employers and, and how can we do the same thing, even though we're lean and mean and we're in a, a constantly evolving marketplace with new challenges every single day, you know, coming from all angles. I mean, it's just insane. You know, this regulation could change. Uh, this tax code could change. Uh, this town could could decide that, yeah, it's so discretionary. This town could say, you know what, well, we don't want you here anymore. I mean, not that that would ever happen. I mean, we literally have um, amazing relationships with the towns that we, we operate in and, and we have uh, HCAs in. But, 
Yeah, it's just uh, I don't even know how I how I got to this, but it, it's well. Let me let me bring yeah. you back. We were kind of talking about you know mentors and peers. Yes, yes, um, yes and yes, it's yes. you know like you you have those companies that you kind of maybe put on a pedestal, or at least you know I certainly have mine too, and some are in the cannabis space, and most most aren't because you know we're we're all early in the game, and um, totally. no one you know like we're just not quite there yet. Um, but I'm wondering you know, hearing you say that, so, so you already had a network in place that you could tap into. And you yeah, did. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I, um, you know, I was fortunate enough, I, I went to, uh, you know, went to public school my entire life. And then I was recruited to go uh, academically and athletically to a, a, a school uh, in Marion called Tabor Academy. And I went there for a couple of years. And then I did a post-grad year at Deerfield Academy uh, you know, all very prestigious schools. Again, very fortunate to go there. Kimball Union, myself as well. Ah, nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. if we've ever talked about that. Yeah. Love it. And then, <laughs> and then, um, you know, went on to Amherst College uh, in the NESCAC and played there and had a great career and, you know, had a, and just, you know, I, I'll be honest, I graduated with a ton of debt. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I was the first one in, uh, of my parents to graduate college. Um, so, you know, I, I, just a ridiculous wow. amount of debt. And um, so I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, I remember one or two years after I was lucky. I played professional football in Europe for a year. Uh, so, but I, but I, as soon as I came back, those loans were due. Right. So yeah. I was like, man, this is crazy. Like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And yeah, really, most people don't. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, I really questioned like, should I have gone to that school? Like what was this, was this amount of debt really worth it? And really in the last, gosh, you know, seven years, it, it, it's it was no brainer. Like I can tap on so many of my friends for legal advice, for corporate structuring advice, for tax advice. I mean, it's like, we, we really leaned on my network early on um, and still do just through school, just through schools. Um you know, of course, Josh and Josh have, have their people too that, that have been folded into the, you know, the company as advisors or legal representation, you know, first, first, various totally. things. but, um, but was, you recognize that you had, you know, that this network existed, um, and, and you were able to tap into it. I think like, so, you know, one of the things that can sometimes be scary for entrepreneurs is a lot of things, but, um, finding finding mentors and finding peers who can talk you through um, certain aspects, you know, talk you off the cliff in, in a lot of instances, but also like maybe help you avoid some common mistakes. Um, maybe put you in touch with, you know, people who can help fund, you know, fund your, fund your venture, wh whatever, whatever the need may be, like being able to step outside of the comfort zone just to ask for help is is such an important thing. And it was, as soon as I figured that out, like it seems so obvious, but as soon as, but it's not <laughs> because it's hard to do. It's hard to ask for help. I think for most humans, you know, um, it was for me, but once I realized that I could do that, if I just use my voice to say, Hey, how did you do this? Or, Hey, can I take you out to lunch? Uh, you know, guy who has a billion dollar, you know, company in Burlington, you know, whatever it is, like, do it, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, make yourself uncomfortable for a little bit because for that split second that you'll feel uncomfortable as you're dialing that phone or writing that email to that person, 
Um, chances are they'll respond and say yes, because you know, and depending on the network, uh, you know, especially through schools, you know, it's such a, a it's all right there. It, that's actually what you're paying for. You're, you know, you're not paying for the uh, education. I definitely don't think my education from St. Lawrence University was worth a penny, but um, boy, have I made that back in spades through the relationships I've made. And that's, you know, friendships and also um, people who've helped me advance in my professional career and just understand it, demystify a lot of these things. Yeah, I mean, totally. And, and, you know, that, you know, thing I said earlier about, you know, being able to have a beer with your partner, you know, that that was from a mentor a long time ago. And I, I just it just resonated with me so much. And totally and it, something as simple as that can like ultimately change the way that you think about things in a in a profound way. Profound yeah, it, way. exactly. Essentially, it's saying, you know, someone you would be willing to spend free time with. Right. And and because yeah, that's the, that's the only commodity we can't buy back. I mean, that's like sure. that's it. So um, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's um, it's been a crazy ride. But I've I've had some really amazing uh, friends and family and 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 mentors uh, along the way to to navigate it as you know as best as I possibly can. It's so important. I want to just uh, talk quickly about the the further expansion so you've you've now gone from being a, a single state multi-license holder to now being an mso um that's crazy i mean congratulations on yeah on thank you everything that's about to happen um talk talk to us a little bit about that i mean was it was it a similar situation where you know a george showed up and was like we why were <laughs> you should have been here last week yeah, it, it was, um, so, so, you know, I love Maine and, and, um, yeah. you know, my sister's up there, she's a nurse and, uh, with her husband who's, who's awesome. And, and, um, uh, but Josh Ferranto, uh, he's, he's a Mainer. He's, he's been living there for, I want to say like eight years now. Um, excuse me. And he's been, um, he's been a medical caregiver there since the program started. And, um, when Maine initially launched, you know, they, their vote took place the same year as Massachusetts, 2016, but they just had this governor that just wouldn't let it happen. So, right. Um, so, so just to put it in perspective, the, yeah. the, the first, so adult use in Maine passed in 2016, mm -hmm. correct? correct? The first store opened for business in November of 2020. Yeah. So just a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was it just crazy. Um, and so, you know, long story short, um, you know, as of, uh, well, in the beginning, there was a kind of an expectation or, or, or regulation that stated, uh, you know, all Maine cannabis companies needed to be owned, uh, majority owned by Maine residents. So, you know, 51%. So, like, all right, you know, Josh from Maine, great. So, um, so by way of that, uh, we applied and, and we've since received, um, three retail licenses. So we have Berwick, uh, South Portland and downtown Portland. Um, they're all good to go, um, which is great. And then we also have a, um, adult use cultivation license in Maine. Uh, and we will we'll eventually, I, we may have applied or if we're, if we haven't yet, we will soon for an adult use processing as well. So. We'll be vertical in Maine. Um, we already have the locations for the retail. 
and um it's funny the the um they eventually about two or three months ago they they took out the um that provision of 51 percent ownership by by main residents so now that that's happened you're seeing a lot more activity from nso's and and but they were a little bit, you know, believe me, they'll, they'll come in and I'm sure they'll buy some people out and, and all that. And that's totally cool. I have nothing against yep. them. You know, we, we work with most of them, Massachusetts and they're great to us. And, um, and so, but we just, you know, it, this industry is about timing, right? It's about, oh. it's about, um, you know, just kind of rolling with the punches, you know, you, you can't let yourself get upset. I mean, if I let myself get upset every time I was told that there might be an issue with this or there might be an issue with that, I would, I would go crazy. So uh, oh. it's definitely tested my patience um, in a good way. And so, yeah, we're really excited to get up in Maine. The thing is with Maine is there's such limited uh, canopy because um, medical caregivers, they, they can only grow on such a scale um, and they can't really, it hasn't really been defined as to, what they can and cannot do in terms of converting their product to adult use. So there's no massive producer at all in the adult use space in Maine, which is why you'd see, you know, there was only 1.4 million in gross sales. The yeah, first, yeah. The first four weeks that it was operational among, I think at the end of that time period, there was nine stores open, but during most of that time it was only like six stores, but still, I mean, that's nothing. Yeah. Aside, aside from like being able to keep product on the shelf there, and I guess this is, maybe a little bit different in, in the Massachusetts stores because you are working with, um, you know, existing brands who are able to, to keep up to some extent with demand. Um, but in Maine, you don't have that, you know, you, you don't even really have brands yet. And for people listening, I just air quoted, um, <laughs> uh, but you don't really have that yet to, to the extent that you do in mass or, for, you know, for sure in California or Colorado. Um, so is that, is that a challenge too? Because, you know, like people can be loyal to the silver brand and of course you guys, you know, are, are, are vertical. So you'll, you have your own products, you'll be kind of growing your product line. Um, but beyond relying on yourselves and the power of your brand, like how does that translate with these smaller sort of, I don't want to call them non-brands, but, um, just smaller producers. Yeah, it's, you know, I get asked quite a bit, you know, who do you think is, you know, the best, the most well-branded company in Massachusetts or, you know, what are your favorite cannabis brands? And it's, we're just still maturing out here, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So really what I found is that people are going to go to the places that have a couple things, friendly, friendly bud tenders or cannabis consultants, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. um and and you know a, a good menu a solid selection on the menu like that just diversity over exactly. like specific brands now exactly. but i mean eventually we'll get that way right like where people come in and they know they want a uh, sprite you know what i mean they know they totally. want this exact you know brand and and there can there can be some consistency but that's you know i think i think in maine and i'm interested to hear what you think but i think in maine that's still a little far off Totally. Yeah. You know, there's, and it's, it's, it, I mean, I'll be honest, it's a huge black market up in Maine and Massachusetts. I mean, the, you know, they say in Massachusetts, uh, you know, 70 plus percent of the, uh, you know, cannabis transactions still occur on the, on the black market. And I, I have no doubt about that. And in Maine, it's, it's particularly so. So, 
you know, there's these kind of black market sub brands that, that are people are aware of. And, you know, there's, there's all these black market delivery companies in Maine, which again, I have nothing against those companies. I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, talking on the, the branding side. Um, so there is a real opportunity from a branding perspective, I think, to um, build a brand, not only around your product line, but about the, you know, the core values you stand for and how you treat people at your, at your point of sale. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, I, I'd be lying if, if, um, I thought there were, you know, the brands that I do think highly of are, are most of which are MSOs, right. Um, or, or they're brands that, are uh, uh, backed by individuals whom I respect a great, uh, a great deal. So it's uh, we're still, you know, I, there's I, still so much to happen before totally. we can really count on um, more of a brand influence. Yeah. I was, I was talking to a, a friend of mine, a gentleman who's, who's in the lending space for cannabis and, you know, he says, Brendan, you know, what ending do you think we're in, you know, in a nine inning game? I don't know, maybe three. He's like, no way. We're still in the first, you know, it's, I agree. We're, we're still so early. And, and if you can just, uh, again, if you can have the patience and the fortitude and the vision and you take care of your people and you take care of your customers, um, and, and to some extent you control, you know, a, a percentage of your supply, you're going to be just fine. I see the same thing in the CBD space too. Like I'm asked constantly by, you know, people calling, calling us asking for help, whether or not even having a CBD brand at this point is worth it. And I say, yeah, of course it is. Um, you know, people fear about oversaturation. I think in CBD, which seems maybe to us because we're, you know, we're, we're face down, sort of focused on what's happening in, in the, you know, in the space might seem saturated. Uh, not at all. Not yeah. at all. And, and cannabis is, is light years behind that, despite, you know, the, the trajectory being far, you know, far longer um, for cannabis. You know, it's CBD is relatively new in sort of the, the consumer market game, but it's not saturated. And I, I, I agree with that investor. We're, you know, I would even still say we're like warming up. You know, we're still running sprints around the around the field. <laughs> yeah, we're know? we're yeah, we're taking batting practice. We're we're you know people. Whatever sports balls. metaphor, whatever. We haven't yeah. even started playing yet. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, just a little shout out I want to make because it's it's how I found you guys was Loose Farm. You know, they're just Joe and Rebecca are just the best, and um, I yeah. saw your little M, uh, your little logo at the bottom of their website maybe three years ago or so, and I said, oh, this looks pretty good. I'll check them out. So. Shout out to, uh, to lose shout out to Joe and Rebecca. So like yeah. they've, uh, you know, they've, we've, we've been together since the beginning for, for each of our companies, we've supported each other in multiple ways. Um, you know, least of which is, is, you know, being able to support a company who's grown into something totally amazing. Um, and people go to their websites and like you click on their little thing to see, you know, who made it. And yeah. So Shout out to Joe and Rebecca. They're, they are the best. And I'm glad you found us through us, uh, through them. Um, Brennan, with that, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I appreciate every second of it. You're the man. Uh, I love watching you guys do everything you do. It's sort of, you know, one, one of the, it's a little bittersweet. Like it's a perk for sure, but it's a little bittersweet is like, 
when you see all the people like doing amazing, I know this sounds weird, like, like watching our clients be so successful. It's so much fun. Um, but the bittersweetness of it is like, part of me wishes I was in there swinging a hammer or like, you know, greeting customers at the door um, or helping hire new people, you know, like being part of that. Uh, I love watching it grow. I wish, I wish I could like come in and clock in sometimes. <laughs> hey, you're always welcome. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to come in and greet people, I, you know, that honestly, I still do it when I can uh, because absolutely, you know, some of the coolest things I've experienced is uh, work in the door and seeing these people come in some of which literally have tears in their eyes and they're saying, I, I never thought I would live to see this day. Like I can come in here and without any issues, purchase a cannabis wellness product to help me. And they're just like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you tell this to someone, they would have said you're crazy. So yeah, you're always welcome. And and we appreciate you and all you guys do for us. And yeah, you, you, so you can always you're, you always come down and swing a hammer. I'll, Rosendale, I'll swing a hammer. <laughs> Rosendale will have plenty of work for you. I'm, I'm sure. I want to say, like, you just brought up a, a great point. I was, I don't want to gloss too far over that, but it's important to remember that exact story right there that you, that you just mentioned. Like the fact that we are um, responsible for uh, people being able to get medicine or not be persecuted by the law or whatever negative effect that cannabis has had had on them in the past. Um, the fact that we're able to like have change and that you're able to be confronted with that with a personal story from a customer makes it all worth it for me. Like that's, that's the end goal right there for sure. Totally. Um, Brendan, tell people where they can find you. Yeah. Check us out at uh, silverthera.com. Um, we're on Instagram at silver therapeutics. Um, of course we're on Facebook. Um, and, um, yeah, check us out. Williamstown, we, orange, Boston, and soon a couple locations in Maine. Yeah. Boston's still under construction. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be beautiful. It's, it's going to be kind of one of a kind and yeah, Maine's going to be amazing as well. So just really excited and, and, uh, look forward to building more websites with you guys for, uh, for all the other businesses. <laughs> Likewise, with that, <laughs> we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Higher Learning. I've been your host, Will Reed. That's Brendan McPhee from Silver Therapeutics. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.